2: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, now that Halloween has come and gone. True. Sure. We're officially in the holiday season. Oh, I'm gonna refuse to admit that. I, I know. I hate to say it, but we are. It's coming, it's inevitable. Christmas trees are already up in stores. I know. I've seen I've seen Christmas displays in stores, which is horrific. Yeah. However, I figured it'd be a good time since we are in the holiday season. No, we're not going to talk about presents or anything like that. We're going to talk about booze.
1: Right, because with the holiday season comes holiday parties. Holiday parties, drinking, all that.
2: Office parties, which is really... I mean, that's just... whole uh, another podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a minefield right there. I just generally choose to avoid them at all costs. Um, but... We wanted to talk about women and drinking because over the past couple of years, there have been a lot of stories about how women in particular are drinking more than ever before. Yeah. And especially a couple of years ago, around 2008, there was, there were all of these discussions about women drinking more and what does that mean? What is that saying about who we are? Are we just drinking as a sign of our empowerment? All this kind of stuff. So why don't we get down to the stats about, you know, are women drinking? Who's drinking more? And why this might be, I don't know, a cause for concern or not a cause for concern at all.
1: And I think this serves two purposes at once. Not only will we investigate this uh, association of women and alcohol, but when you are at these holiday parties enjoying, you know, a lovely mulled cider or some eggnog, you will have conversation tidbits to throw out they Mm -hmm. might label you as a Debbie Downer people might be like oh don't talk to that girl or guy but you know we're going to do what we can do yes so why don't we
2: start with this trend of women drinking more shall we So in 2008, there was an article in New York Magazine that we're going to reference a lot throughout the podcast. And one of uh, the statistics it threw out was that uh, the number of women who identify as moderate to heavy drinkers has gone up in the last 10 years, while the number of women who are light drinkers has declined. And at the same time, the, the number of men who are drinking... Pretty much just staying at the same rate. So while men's drinking seems to have plateaued, there are not only more women drinking, but more women who are reporting binge drinking. And there was another study that came out not too long ago. This was from the British Liver Trust. Okay. I wouldn't want to work there. <laughs> no. um, that found that more than one in three women over 35 years old drinks more than they did in their teens. So they think there's just, there there has been this upward spike. And then also in the teen years, we have more girls drinking than ever before. It's roughly a third of girls who have already had a drink before they enter high school. Around half of girls in high school say that they drink regularly. And about a quarter of those girls say that they binge drink regularly. Now, Molly, I don't know about you, but that was not a mind-boggling statistic to hear as someone who has been in high school not too terribly. Long ago, not to say that I went to school with, you know, with a bunch of
1: raging alcoholics, but. But, you know, when those homeschoolers get a little taste of freedom. <laughs> oh, man. They go crazy. Well, I also think, I think um, first thing we should say is that maybe these girls are just more comfortable talking about their drinking. You know, we've also had sex in the city come up in the past decade and you see these girls just very comfortable with uh, drinking cocktails, it's you know a, a something you do every time you go out. That maybe a lot of people just learned it's okay to say that they drink.
2: Yeah, I mean, but I will say though, on the flip side of that argument, if you watch old movies, people are always drinking and smoking. A lot of women always have a cocktail in their hand. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know necessarily if it is just pop culture making it more acceptable, but maybe it has something to do though with women being more educated and being. Uh, and holding um, higher paying jobs.
1: That's possible. That's um, sort of the cusp of this argument. We'll get into that. Drinking is a very empowering feminist action. But let's talk a little bit more about other factors that might account for these rise. A big thing that a lot of these articles talk about is the way that uh, advertisers are now uh, targeting these young girls as potential customers. I mean, think about um, all the flavored vodkas you've seen come up in the mm-hmm. past few years. You've seen... Um, alcohol pops coming up where it's like a Smirnoff Ice or Mike, Mike's Heart Lemonade, something that's not, um, something that's tasty.
2: Yeah, these sweet non non beer types of alcohol, and the New York Magazine article linked that to this statistic that found the the rate of frequent binge drinking is up by. Or went up, I should say, by 124% between 1993 and 2001. And it was around the early 2000s when all of these Alcopops, as they call them, became really popular.
1: So I think that those could be two factors. The fact that, you know, drinking is front and center with this Sex in the City thing. We've, we've attributed everything from pantyhose to, you know, God knows what else, just to Sex in the City. So I do think that maybe girls would feel more comfortable telling a researcher, Hey, I'm drinking more. And I also think that there's more of a market for these girls. But just ignoring those, let's just say that, yes, these statistics are showing that women are drinking more independent of these other factors. The question then becomes for all these writers, is this something to worry about or is this no big deal? Well, in terms of whether or not alcohol should be something that women
2: should worry about, I think that this whole you know idea of whether or not it's empowering and all of the social and cultural implications are something that... To me, the front center issue when it comes to women and alcohol is how it affects our bodies and how it affects our bodies differently from men. Because I don't know about you, Molly, but when you started getting the anti-drinking lectures in high school and college, it was always emphasized that women cannot drink as much or should not drink as much as men because alcohol affects our bodies differently. I think that it's pretty common knowledge. And the three main reasons why booze affects us differently as women is because we have a more body fat that just soaks it up like a sponge body fat loves booze and then we also have less water in our bodies that dilutes the alcohol we also have less of an enzyme that helps metabolize alcohol
1: so if you have one drink and the guy next to you has one drink that drink is going to affect your body much more profoundly than it's ever going to affect his right right In fact, heavy drinkers increase their risk of death by stroke, just across the
2: board, male or female. But for women compared to men, their risk is twice as high. And then there are other uh, types of health implications such as a study released by the American Heart Association reporting that men who drink four more alcoholic beverages a day may in fact lower their risk of dying from heart disease, whereas women who are drinking the same amount will quadruple their risk. Even in the womb, alcohol seems to affect girls a little bit more than boys. Um, There's been research finding that uh, family, children with, uh, or I should say daughters, from a family history of alcoholism produce more of saliva when exposed to alcohol, indicating more of a predisposed craving for it. Um, teenage girls whose moms drank during pregnancy were six times more likely to drink, whereas there was very little correlation between teenage boys and drinking if their mother was an alcoholic. So there does seem to be some sort of, uh, big health gap between men and women in terms of how alcohol affects our bodies
1: for the long term. And that's men versus women. When you take women versus women, uh, the Harvard Health Letter writes that compared with women who don't drink or who drink in moderation, women who drink heavily have an increased risk of osteoporosis, falls, hip fractures, premature menopause, infertility, miscarriages, hypertension, and cardiovascular diseases, including coronary artery disease, arrhythmias, and cardiomyopathy. And then the big one is breast cancer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, with an average of one drink a day, according to Harvard, the risk of breast cancer for a woman increases about 10 percent. And that's excluding any other genetic factors.
2: But it does seem like a lot of this, uh, a lot of we do get a lot of mixed messages when it comes to alcohol, because we do hear about how having a glass of red wine might be good for your heart, whereas mm-hmm. that glass of red
1: wine might be raising your risk of breast cancer. I mean- and I think there's also a difference in how um talking about alcoholism is different between men and women, because mm-hmm. a lot of these studies you read said that women are at risk of telescoping, which means that they become addicted uh, to alcohol much faster than the men do. But what they're saying is that uh, the men have an easier time disguising the problems of their alcoholism than the women do and women often suffer from alcoholism in conjunction with a lot of other mental disorders like depression and bipolar disorder and they're saying that that means that a lot of these women are not getting the treatment that they need and that's on an extreme scale we're going to take it back down to just you know a casual drinker but I think that a lot of these studies may have come about just because they were—they weren't targeting these female alcoholics, right? But then, when we're talking about telescoping, kind of like that—the
2: uh, conflicting information about breast cancer and the heart benefits, heart health benefits of red wine. There was another study that came out not too long ago saying that finding no evidence of telescoping. And women. So maybe the big question is, you know, whether or not all these surveys about alcohol are even that accurate. If you are downing, you know, six, eight, 10 drinks a day, are you really going to tell someone about that? Are you going to be honest about it? Maybe these statistics are skewed, but I will say that when it comes to conflicting ideas and debates about women and alcohol, yes, the health information can be pretty confusing but not quite as confusing as the debate over alcohol and feminism.
1: Right. And to go back to this uh, New York Magazine article that Kristen was talking about, uh, the writer makes this case that the reason that women are drinking more, which is what these statistics are showing, is because of feminism. That in in trying to become equals with men, uh, they are taking the men's cues on social alcohol use. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, she talks a lot about this paradox of how women are drinking to become more empowered and to feel more equal. But it's a it's a hobby that if you abuse it can leave you sort of incapacitated and. uh stupid, for lack of a better word.
2: Now, when we're talking about these women who are drinking, quote-unquote, for empowerment, a lot of times this is in reference to female college students and young professionals, and the New York Magazine article points out statistics saying that as a result of all of this drinking, this what it seems to be portrayed as misguided drinking, um, are statistics showing that on a lot of college campuses, there have been a rise in girls reporting sexual assault related to drinking, uh, saying that they regret having sex with someone while they were drinking. Whereas at the same time, when you talk to the girls when they're sober before they go out, they're drinking specifically
1: because they want to get sexy. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, you know, it it loosens inhibitions. And Mm -hmm. if I'm just trying to be as free as a guy, what better than this equalizer that will help me feel you know, footloose and fancy free. Right. And I think that that's a, a product of a lot of these mixed cultural messages that we're having.
2: I'm not saying that at all. And I don't think you're saying it either, Molly, that the girls in college shouldn't drink and shouldn't go and have a good time and should be held to some different type of standard as guys are because while there are all of these alarmist studies saying, Oh dear God, you know, women who are educated are 2.1 times more likely to, uh, have a drink every day. What does this mean? Um, we're not talking at all about how guys are still drinking as much as they used to. And when you look at all of those surveys, who are the people
1: overall in the total population who are drinking the most? It is men. Right. And you brought up a really good point when we were talking earlier about how, in some ways, it's just, you know, it's just shaming these girls, like you said, into keeping this different standard. While there are plenty of girls who can, you know, handle their alcohol responsibly, drink in moderation, um, aren't binge drinking. And it, it kind of just paints a really broad picture, some of these trend pieces do, of, you know, there's no difference between someone who enjoys, uh, you know, a few glasses of wine with dinner and someone who is blacking out every night because they're doing, you know, 56 shots, which you should never, ever do. No.
2: And there's an ep- epidemiologist, Dr. Richard Gruska, who has studied this um this rise in drinking pretty extensively. And he links it back, at least this trend among women to second wave feminism, you know, and this whole idea of empowerment. But. With their arguments on both sides of the table with older feminists saying, you know, looking at people of our generation, Molly, and saying that you guys are, are distorting, um, the ideals that we fought for by just getting drunk and having sex and calling that empowerment. Whereas you have younger feminists, you know, arguing the opposite. I think <laughs> that we need to eliminate feminism completely from this discussion about alcohol and, and just own up to our behaviors it's an adult behavior mm-hmm. you know that it has effects on our body mm-hmm. so why don't we stop debating whether or not it's empowering or not and just fess up to the fact that we want to have a drink
1: well and i think it's interesting kristen you consider like how they're talking about women using alcohol versus how they're talking about women who use cigarettes mm-hmm. and you know cigarettes can cause a lot of these same problems and i think that women probably smoke for sometimes the same reason in terms of keeping up with the guys, but it's just because this is a little bit more acceptable. It's coming down harder. It's almost like the women who are drinking in moderation are dealing with more of a stigma sometimes than just these women who are smoking. Whereas I think, you know, when you look at what it does to your body, the smoking can be far worse than a few drinks with dinner. Mm -hmm. So like you said, I think that it's, um, it's so weird that it's gotten wrapped up in feminism because it makes it so much more loaded than, uh, Just having a a glass of wine with dinner should be. Right. Because it's interesting because on the one hand, you have, um, you know, the
2: argument of linking second wave feminism empowerment to drinking like a man. And then you also have um, the argument of saying, hey, remember the feminists before us who fought for the temperance movement? You know, it's, it's,
1: that's not getting us anywhere. (laughs) So. So we want to know what you guys think. Do you, ladies, when you drink, do you feel empowered? Do you feel a kinship with, with Gloria Steinem <laughs> and, and the freedoms that you're equating? Cause in some ways, yes, it is a step forward. I suppose that a girl can go out to a bar and have, have a few drinks. And you say so. And is binge drinking healthy? Absolutely not. We're not advocating that
2: either. And I do think that women need to, above all else, simply take
1: into account the potential
2: long-term health effects. Right.
1: So what do you guys think? Do you even uh does any of this even cross your mind when you have a drink? And will it now will you go to those holiday parties and just become um feminist spokespeople for what <laughs> what you think your act of drinking implies? We wanna hear from you. It's momstuff at And Kristen, I believe we have time for some Lister mail. I have one from Anna and she writes, I just got done listening to your podcast about Halloween costum- costumes, which was timely since Trick or Treat was tonight. My three kids dressed as w- one, a vampire, two, Scooby-Doo, and three, a dragon. Everyone kept referring to my three-year-old dra- daughter who dresses a dragon as a boy, even though she has long hair and had it in pigtails. She's too young to care if people think she is a boy, but it bothered my oldest daughter a lot that they kept getting it wrong. Last year, my then three-year-old son wanted to dress as a purple princess for Halloween, and I got some strange looks for letting my three-year-old dress in drag, but no one mistook him for a girl. I found it interesting that a preschool boy dressed as a girl would still be recognized as a boy, but a girl in a fairly neutral costume would be assumed to be a boy. My eight-year-old daughter and I went shopping for my Halloween costume together. I was going to host a homeschool Halloween party for her friends, so I felt I should dress up, but this would be the first time in her memory that I'd be dressing up for Halloween. It seemed like every costume we looked at was of the sexy variety, which I didn't think would be appropriate for hosting a children's party. Over and over again, she would pick out a costume for me that would have been not safe for work um, on me, and I would explain to her that it wouldn't be appropriate to wear a sexy costume to a children's party. Finally, we found a witch costume, which met all of my requirements for covering body parts, and we left the store. In the parking lot of the store, we ran into my work supervisor, and the first words out of her mouth were, my mom's a witch because she's not sexy. (laughs) To which, Anna says, sometimes as a mom you get the message across, and sometimes you don't.
2: (laughs) Well, I've got another Halloween email here. And Lachlan writes, I just finished listening to your sexy Halloween costumes podcast and I kept hoping you would bring up Dan Savage's theory on Halloween, which is that it's turning into the straight people version of pride. I like that idea because everyone going out to celebrate their heterosexuality by wearing revealing costumes and breaking some social taboos sounds a lot nicer than just calling it slut Alright, so thanks for pointing that out. I actually had not heard about, um, Dan Savage's Halloween theory, but I yes, it makes, makes sense. Yeah. So if you have anything you'd like to write us about, you can shoot us an email, momstuff at com. You can also head over to our Facebook page and like us, love us right on our wall. We'd love to see you there. And you can also follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Then finally, you can read our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You, and it's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. The HowStuffWorks.com iPhone app is coming soon. Get access to our content in a new way. Articles, videos, and more, all on the go. Check out the latest podcasts and blog posts, and see what we're saying on Facebook and Twitter.